means is completely done, isn't it? We ended last week with, well, turn with me in your Bible to Proverbs chapter 1. I guess we better start there. Um, we ended last week with a statement that the Lord gave kind of on the spot. What the Lord reveals through his gospel to his people is he is God, salvations of the Lord, and it is finished. And that song says completely done. That's what it is finished means, isn't it? That's our hope. Here in Proverbs chapter 1, we're going to be looking at this through that lens of him being God and salvation being of him, by him, for him. Um, and to usward, the Lord's people, and that it is truly finished. That's the lens I hope to look through this passage tonight. But up until now, Solomon had give us, given us the five reasons, if you will. We called them the parables of peace in a series. And those five uh, purposes of Proverbs was one, to know, two, to perceive, to receive, to give, and lastly, to understand. And we've looked at all of those. These are all gifts of God, gifts of grace that teach us these three truths. These three truths about God. Number one, He is God. Number two, salvation is of the Lord. And number three, it is finished. This is the sum and substance of God's gospel. To sum it up even farther, it would be Christ is all. Christ is all. Now, by grace through faith, the only way we can see that, the only way the Lord's elect can know that, is if the Lord gives us the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. And that's what, that's what um, Solomon mentions here in our text. So let's read it together. Proverbs 1, verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. My son, hear the instruction of thy father, and forsake not the law of thy mother, for they shall be an ornament of grace unto thy head and chains about thy neck. Solomon sets forth two distinct differences, two distinct differences, polar opposite points truly is what's given here. Number one, you have the wise they that are wise of the Lord, the one that the Lord has elected, the one the Lord has given wisdom, the one where he says in the previous uh, part, verse 5, a wise man will hear. We've looked at that. Who's a wise man? It's the one that the Lord has called and shown wisdom to. One that the Lord himself is their wisdom. And this, this is what he's talking about here whenever he said the fear of the Lord is the beginning of, of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. This is two polar opposite individuals. There's only two Two types of people in the world, the believers and the non-believers, and it's the Lord that make it the difference, isn't it? On one hand, you have the wise of the Lord. By the Lord for his glory, they're made to have the fear of the Lord. They're made to see by the gift of grace in the heart that the Lord is high. He is lifted up. He is holy. This is repentance towards the Lord, and it always comes with faith towards the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord doesn't give repentance and not give faith. They're hand in hand. They're joint. They're the same. In so many ways, they're the gift. Now, on the other hand, you have the fool. That's what he says. The fools despise wisdom 
and instruction. That's the opposite, isn't it? That's the polar opposite, is the wise and the fool. And it is the Lord that maketh the difference. It is the Lord that maketh the difference, not us. Psalm 53 verse 1 says, The fool hath said in his heart, There is no God. Corrupt are they, and have done abominable iniquity. There is none that doeth good. Now he said, The fool hath said in his heart, There is no God. But understand something, brethren. This is not talking about the atheists. He said the ones that commit iniquity. Now iniquity, we know, is what we try to do to fix our sin problem, isn't it? Now the atheists do fall into the category of the foolish, but that's not who he's addressing here. When he says, the fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. They're just part of the category that do not believe in God or on the Lord Jesus Christ. If we are to know God, if we are to approach God, it is only and can only be through and by the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't mean that we, we come to the Lord Jesus Christ in order to approach God. No, he draws us unto himself in order for us to approach to begin with. No man come to the Father but by me. It's his choice. It's his right. It's his calling. It's his drawing. It's his saving. Salvation's of the Lord. But if we are to know him, we are to come through and by the Lord Jesus Christ. Unless we know God through Christ, we don't know God at all. We don't know God at all. Philip asked the Lord once, said, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. And he said, Philip, have I not been with you so long? So long that when you've seen me, you have seen the Father. There'll be nothing else revealed but the Lord Jesus Christ as the Savior of his people, as the Lord Jesus Christ, as the sovereign King of kings and Lord of lords. Remember in Revelation how John viewed him, said that he was seated upon a horse and he had a vesture dipped in blood and written upon his thigh was what? His name, King of kings and Lord of lords. King of kings and Lord of lords. Only the Lord Jesus Christ can cause us to see him. And you know how he does that? By giving us the fear of the Lord. Giving us the fear of the Lord. Remember what the gospel teaches us. He is God. Salvation's of the Lord and it is finished. And I don't want to deviate too far from that. This is a very simple message. When Solomon's talking about fear here, he's not talking about fear as in lawmongering. And men do that in religion all the time. They're preaching law. You should obey. You should obey. And if you don't obey, here's the consequence. Sunday, I hope to look in Hebrews chapter 2. It says, how shall they escape? How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? We're going to look at that in depth, Lord willing. But this is not talking about putting you or me underneath the law and making us afraid of hell and afraid of death. This is not what the gospel, when it goes forth, it shows us that we're sinners. Yes, absolutely. But what did we just read over in, in Psalm? It's the forgiveness of the Lord. Therefore, we fear him. This is different than the message that's going forth today that says you better do and live. Because the gospel message is, is God is God. Salvation's of the Lord. And it is finished. There is no do and live in that. It's finished. It's done. The work for sinners is completely done. That's the hope that we have. This is what the fear of the Lord teaches us. Unless given the fear of the Lord, men believe that they are God. They don't just... That's what he's saying there. The fool hath said in his heart, there is no God, because he views himself as God. There's the polar opposite, isn't it? They're the fool. They say that God is like unto them, subject to their power and their will. Hence, there is no God then. He's not like us at all, is he? 
No, he's other than we are. Unless given fear of the Lord, all who hear about salvation will think that they have to do something to contribute to salvation. The salvation's of the Lord. This is the fear of the Lord. That's, it's where it comes from. It's the under, his salvation comes from him, through and by him. This fear is a fear unto salvation. It's not just fear and trembling. Yes, we do approach with fear and trembling. But my hope tonight is that we can see that it's the loving kindness of the Lord wherewith we've been enabled to fear. People cannot fear God for they know not who he is. If you fear the Lord tonight, it's because he's revealed to you who he is and what he's done. It's because you're his. People may have a general idea of God as a higher being, but unless you see him high and lifted up as Isaiah did, unless you see him as Job did out of the whirlwind, see yourself as vile, there is no fear of the Lord then, is there? No, he has to give repentance and faith. Why would he do that? It's because love, the love that he has for his people. That's the mystery of the gospel. Herein is love, not that we love God, but God loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for us. Unless given the fear of the Lord, we'll think we have to contribute something, live a certain life, either do something before or after salvation. No salvations of the Lord. Make salvation of us if we do it, but salvations of the Lord. Unless given the fear of the Lord, no man can believe it is finished. No one, we can sum up the truth of the gospel by just saying it is finished. Everything that the Lord Jesus Christ purpose to do was accomplished on the cross of Calvary for God's people. It is finished. That is our hope. That is our rest. But to the, to the uh, religious in our world today, that's a stumbling block. It's finished. No, there has to be something else that needs to be done. That's a stumbling block, isn't it? To them. Or what about to the wise among men? They would say, well, that's just foolishness. That's just foolishness. That's what Paul was addressing in Corinthians. We'll turn there in just a moment. But Understand something. It's not that we're left to figure out. We've been made to know Christ is all. Christ is all. He's not a stumbling block. He's the rock of offense. He's the foundation. He's the chief cornerstone, isn't he? No, he's not foolishness. He's the wisdom of God and the power of God. That's our hope. It's not about accepting Jesus. It's about accept Jesus left a remnant. Except the Lord leave a remnant, we'd be lost. There's a big difference. That's, we preached a message on that a while back, A-C-C-E-P-T and E-X-E-P-T. I probably didn't spell that right. A-C-C-E-P-T, except Jesus, or E-X-C-E-P-T. I think I spelled it right at that time. Except the Lord. That's the difference, isn't it? It's, not, it's the wrong except. It's pronounced the same. Except the Lord leave a remnant. Lord, unless you give us your fear, we'll never see you. We'll never look at you as God. We can't. Not in the flesh. We are our own God by nature. That's why the Lord says, No man comes to the Father, but the Father which sent me, draw him. He's the one that does it. He's the one that draws. And here's the good news of the gospel. The Lord said in John 17, or John chapter 6, I'm sorry, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And how do we come? With a broken heart and a contrite spirit because he put it there. We come in fear and admonition of the Lord, begging for mercy, begging for grace. Because out of love he gave 
grace to do so. The Lord said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give to them eternal life. That's not contingent, is it? I love that it's not contingent upon me and you. I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. Boy, that's simple. That tells me God is God. Salvation's of the Lord and it is finished. That's what that tells me. That's simple. How did we arrive at that? Well, we didn't. The Lord made us to know it. We didn't come to the conclusion. We didn't draw it. The Lord said, live, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And we believed. This is his gift. This is what he's talking about in the fear of the Lord. It's the beginning of knowledge to see him. That's the very beginning. This is the word beginning here actually also translates the principal part. The principal part. It's the very, the first thing we realize, and you and, you and I have this as our, um, as our confession, the first thing we realize is, I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. I need a savior. That's what the Lord get, gives immediately. As, when it, life is given, we see ourselves as what we are, and then we see him. And there's that fear that, but it's not the fear of you better do and live. It becomes the truth, the true fear, which is we realize we can no longer look to ourselves. No, I'm afraid to look to myself, to any part of my salvation any longer. That's the fear of the Lord. Otherwise, we would be looking to ourselves, not afraid to lay hold of it, not afraid to try to add to or take away from it. This fear is what teaches us that God is God, salvation's of the Lord, and it is finished. That's what it teaches us. The simplicity that we preach, this is the stumbling block to the religious and foolishness according to the wisdom of man. I told you we were going to turn there. Let's look in 1 Corinthians. Paul addresses that exact issue. First Corinthians one twenty one. For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block and unto the Greeks foolishness. Now anytime you see the word Jew here, anybody that's not a Jew is a Gentile. But here he's talking about Greeks as in philosophers and those that are gaining wisdom. But the Jews are a reference to the religious. So here you have the religious community, whoever they may be. And you have the irreligious that have obtained um, wisdom in their own eyes. They're wise in their own eyes. And this is what he's saying. It's a stumbling block to the religious and it's foolishness to the wise, according to man. But verse 24 tells us, but unto them which are called. There's the difference. They're called. Both Jews and Greeks. It doesn't make a difference whether you're Jew or Gentile. If you're called, it's the Lord that did it. Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Christ, the power of God and the wisdom. This is what the fear of the Lord reveals, brethren. This is what the fear of the Lord reveals. Christ is the power. Christ is the wisdom. Not us. Why is it? Why is it that the Lord has made it that the foolish things confound the wise and the, the meek things abase the strong? Why did, he, why did he do it that way? Well, he tells us, look in verse 29. That no flesh should glory in his presence. That's why. There's your reason. That's my reason. 
This is what the fear of the Lord teaches us. No flesh will have any glory in his presence. We preach Christ Jesus, the, accept, the successful redeemer of his people, the successful redeemer of his elect, and it's foolishness to the world. And it's a stumbling block to the religious. They don't like it. You ever stubbed your toe before? You like stubbing your toe? No, I don't either. It hurts, don't it? You can have a good day and all of a sudden it's just ruined by cracking your toe on the uh, end of a couch or end of your bed. That's what that word stumbling block means. The religious hate it. They hate it. No, they, what did the Lord tell Paul? He said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, uh, Paul, uh, Saul was in the dirt or on the ground. He acknowledged, said, Lord. He knew exactly who was talking to him. Lord, that's what he, what he cried out unto the Lord. He said, it's hard for you. The Lord said, it's hard for you to kick against the pricks, isn't it? The pricks of the heart. Only the Lord's people have, the heart, have their heart pricked. Everybody else is just stubbing their toe on the gospel and they hate it. They hate the gospel. It's too simple. No, it can't be. I have to add something to it. I have to do something. There, there must be something I must do. No, God is God. Salvation's of the Lord and it is finished. There's the truth. This is what the fear of the Lord reveals. It's not dependent upon us in any way, shape, or form. You know what it means? It is finished. It means He's seated. I can, we say that all the time, but think about everything that's spinning in this world, everything that's going on, all the, every second that passes by, whatever's happening. He's seated. Right now. He's seated. He's not going to get up until it's time to come and retrieve His bride according to His will. It's finished. Everything is finished as he has ordained and purposed it. This is who God is. The religious hate him for that reason. The intellectual sees him as foolishness. It's too simple. But to his people, he gives the fear of the Lord, the beginning of knowledge. The beginning of knowledge. Psalm 130, verse 4, we read that in our call to worship. It says, but there is forgiveness with thee that thou mayest be feared. It means the forgiveness that he shows towards his people. We fear him. We fear him in true humility, in true adoration. But we're not motivated by the um, cowering. No, he said, come, take of the water of life freely. We approach boldly with complete confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ, not in of ourself. That's, the, that's what the fear reveals. I can't approach in and of myself. I can't come nigh unto that mountain. I'll be killed. But he says, come, take of the water of life freely. Come to the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what his fear teaches us. It's not judgment that leads men to repentance. Men always are talking about the Lord's judgment, I remember, and it's still going on very much alive and well in society and in false churches, fire and brimstone, hellfire and brimstone preaching. Men will get up and try to scare men, make them afraid and convince them to do something, to walk an aisle, pray a prayer, to do something and to feel better. I've done my part. And it's a lie. You won't find an altar call in the scripture. It's not real. It's man's imagination. It's another attempt of being God. But what does the fear of the Lord teach us? God is God. Salvation's of the Lord. And it is finished. It is finished. We preach the good news of the gospel. The free and sovereign grace of the Lord for dead dog sinners. The Lord ever makes us see that we're a dead dog sinner. It's because he's given us the fear of the Lord. It's the only way. 
we're going to sing Amazing Grace here in a few minutes, but the second line, second uh, verse in that song says, was grace that taught my heart to fear. It was grace that taught my heart to fear and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed. Why is it that you're afraid or why is it that we've been given fear of the Lord, I should say? We're afraid to approach on our own now, aren't we? But why are we, why do we have the fear of the Lord? Grace, that's it. That's the answer, grace. The fear of the Lord is the gift of the Lord to his people who convinces men of sin, who gives this fear. Well, it's the Holy Spirit, isn't it? It's the Spirit that convinces us of sin. No amount of law preaching, no amount of law preaching can convince us of the sin that we are. It can only reveal that we have committed sin. But by man's standard, they would still say, well, I'm not as bad as so-and-so. I'm not as bad as so-and-so. But we, God's standard is if we've broken one law, we've broken them all. Furthermore, we were born in sin, weren't we? We see that. We see that we need a substitute. This is what the fear of the Lord teaches us. You can't approach Him. Don't mistake, I want to reiterate this. I said this already, but don't mistake the fear of the Lord for lawmongering. It's not true. It's not the same as the fear of the law or the fear by the law. The fear by the law reveals hell and death and judgment. The fear of the Lord is not given to obligate, not given to obligate, but to illuminate, to illuminate him. It's to shine forth the light, showing what we are and who he is. It's not given to obligate. It's not given. So fear of the Lord is never given to make you do something in order to be saved. No, if you're given the fear of the Lord, it's because you've been saved. You've already been saved. It's not given to humiliate like men do from the pulpit where they talk down to people and they browbeat them and different things about different lifestyles, making them feel bad about themselves. That's not what the fear of the Lord does. No, the fear of the Lord reveals the glory of Christ on the cross of Calvary, the same glory given to his people. That's what it reveals. The fear of the Lord is not to enslave you and I, the Lord's people, it's to set us free. <laughs> it's to set us free. By grace alone, God's fear is given to his people and creates the holy, humble, reverential affection as a father to the son, as a father to his son. What did he turn back to Proverbs? This is what he's saying here. The Lord creates a reverential affection by this fear. This is the new man created in Christ Jesus that I'm referring to. If there's anything holy about us, it would be that. And that's not about us at all, is it? It's Christ in us, the hope of glory. That's the point. This is a reverential affection that he's referring to as a father to their son. Look here in our text again. Let's just read it again. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. What does this, the next two words say? My son. My son, hear the instruction of thy father and forsake not the law of thy mother, for they shall be an ornament of grace unto thy neck and chains, or thy head, I'm sorry, ornaments of grace to thy head and chains about thy neck. 
my son. This is the effectual call to the Lord's people. My son, hear. My son, live. This is what's happening here. Lord says, look, behold. This is the effectual call to the Lord's people, giving a new heart that desires to know him, to hear him, to see him. You remember Mary, whenever the Lord came into the house, Mary and Martha, Mary was, or Martha was, uh, she was taken with all the responsibility. She was doing all the chores. She was making everything, um, everything pretty, I suppose. What was Mary doing? Martha was running around the house doing the work. Mary was sitting at his feet. Why? He tells us why. Martha says to him, why don't you tell Mary to help me? Paraphrasing, of course. He says, Mary has that one thing needful. She's been given that one thing. What is that? The fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. I've got to hear his voice. This is a good fear. This is not a negative fear whereby men condescend upon each other with words. No, this is, this is seeing Christ as your Redeemer. And we're afraid to even look at ourselves to examine to see if there's anything good. We know there's not anything good in us. And we desire to hear and see him. That's all. Now, unlike religion. Unlike religion, God is not. I love the thought that he's not. Uh, if I say this, I want to say it properly. He's not doing anything. It's finished. We understand what I mean by that. I don't think I need to elaborate on that. Is he working in the midst of us? Yeah, that's the hope. But you understand, what I'm, as far as salvation is concerned, it's finished. He's not trying to do anything. Maybe that's a better way to put it. He's not trying to do anything. He's not saying, well, you better do this or else. That's what men say. Have you ever said that to your children? Yeah, I have. You better listen or else. Here's the consequence. Well, yeah, there's a general call that goes forth that we see that what the penalty of sin is, the wages of sin is death. We see that call go forth or that it's not a call. It's a, a declaration. It's a declaration. But that's not what this fear of the Lord is all about. This is, this is when the Lord says, my time for you was a time of love. I saw you polluted in your own blood. I saw you dead and trespassed in sin. I saw you without hope. I saw you without help. I saw you without none eye pitying you. Pitying you. None I. Nobody had pity on you. Nobody cared for you. Nobody loved you. Nobody wanted you. You were an outcast. You were nothing. He says, I spread my skirt over you. My time for you was a time of love. I had compassion upon you. I had mercy upon you. I said unto you, live. He said, I anointed you. I put a robe on you. I put a ring on your finger. Is there any more motivation for the believer than that? That's, that's the motivation, isn't it? We don't, we don't speak on... Uh, well, like religion does, we just declare the good news. It's, it's not that the Lord is demanding obedience or else. You better think about in a marriage, if I look at my wife, and you can laugh if you want to, if I look at my wife and said, you better listen to me or else, boy, that would be pretty detrimental to my marriage, don't you think? What better motivation does she have towards me if I show her love and affection Patience and understanding and nurture and care. 
You don't even have to ask. She just does for you. I mean, that's how it is, isn't it? That's the same with the Lord. It's not any different. This fear that he gives us is not a, 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 a cowering fear where we can't, we can't look. No, it, it's the opposite of that. We don't look to ourselves. We do look to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's more, we're motivated by his love for us. Not that we love God, but that he loved us. That's what the scripture teaches us. He's not saying repent or else. He's saying, I've given you repentance, therefore you're going to repent. I've given you faith, and therefore you're going to believe. I've given you fear, the fear of the Lord. That's the beginning of knowledge. No, he promotes devotion out of love, creates a desire to honor him. We desire to give him all the glory and praise, don't we? We don't want any glory, not for self. The fear of the Lord is where salvation begins. It's the head. It's the fountain where all by the Lord's blessings flow. It's all through, through and by the Lord Jesus Christ. We understand that. But at the beginning, he gives fear. The fear of the Lord. He is God. This is what that fear reveals. He is God. I am not. Salvation is of the Lord, not of me. And it is finished. He finished every bit of the work on Calvary's cross. This is the root source, the Lord Jesus Christ, this fear of the Lord given to his people. This is the root source, the foundation, the foundation where everything else is built up is the fear of the Lord. This fear reveals that we can't even worship him because we can't worship in spirit and in truth and of ourselves, can we? No. No, Lord, I, I'm going to need you to cause your spirit to be in the midst of us. I'm going to have, Lord, we need your truth. We need the Lord Jesus Christ, his spirit to blow upon us, calls us to worship. And this fear creates a desire to worship him in spirit and in truth. We desire really to worship the Lord, not to pretend, not to conjure up emotional stirrings where we feel good about ourselves. No, we really desire to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. And only the Lord's people desire that. They have uh, praise and worship services now. They don't do a bit of preaching to my knowledge. It's all about singing and stirring emotions. And no, the focal point is God's gospel. It's the, the point is God, the preaching of the gospel. That's where we see him. That's where he has chosen. What, what did we read in 1 Corinthians? He might save them through the foolishness of what? Preaching. The Lord did that. It's what he's ordained. This fear reveals that we must worship him, not as an obligation, but a privilege. We know how to worship the Lord now. Lord, I, we worship him in spirit and truth, not in of ourself, not in what we do. That's what this fear teaches us. It's a privilege purchased by his own blood. Think about the glorious truth of the Lord. The fear of the Lord teaches us this. Fear not, for I have. That's what the fear of the Lord teaches us. Now you explain that to somebody, they're going to say, well, that's foolishness. That makes no sense. But you understand exactly what I'm talking about, don't you? The fear of the Lord has taught you, fear not, for I have. That's what the Lord said. Fear not, Jacob, I have redeemed you. I have purchased you by my own blood. You are mine. Fear not. 
What does the fear of the Lord teach the Lord's people? Fear not, for I have. For I have. God committed his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In closing, I want to tell us, remember the parable of the prodigal son. The prodigal son had lived his life with his father and his uh, brother, the scripture says, and he decided he wanted to leave the house and take his inheritance with him. And he asked his father of it, and his father gave it to him, and he went his way. The scripture says that he spoiled it on riotous living. He did all kinds of different things, and I'm sure he had a lot of friends at the time, people around, but as soon as the money ran out, there was nobody to be found. He found himself in a hog on a hog farm and would have feigned filled his belly with the husk, but he remembered something. Scripture says when he came to himself. Do you know what the fear of the Lord does to the Lord's people? It causes us to come to ourselves, which is him causing us to come. I mean, that's, it's all him. It's not, we didn't just arrive. We didn't just wake up. And No, it's him that does that. And he said, the prodigal son said, there are servants in my father's house. Are there not many? I, and I'm gonna, I would starve here eating these, eating these husks of these swine. Swine represents the Gentiles, the outcasts, those who were not Jews. It's an unclean creature is what it is. And he was eating the same thing as them. That's a picture of false religion where men do not glorify God as God is what it is. He couldn't eat that anymore. He remembered his father. Now you think of the fear and the dread that he would have had of his father. He said, well, I'm no longer worthy to be a son. He actually says that to his father. I'm no longer worthy to be a son. Just make me a servant. Just make me a, this is the begging, this is the pleading. See, the father had all the power. The son had already taken all of his living. The son had already taken his inheritance and he'd spoiled it. Father had all the power, all the right uh, to reprimand him, to do all kinds of different things to him. I mean, he had the right to do so. You ruined the inheritance that I gave you. In all likely accounts, he would have been angry, we would have thought. But what happened? When he saw his son approaching afar off, did he sound an alarm and warn his son to stay away? No. No, he ran to him. He ran to him and he took his robe and he put it on his back and his ring and he put it on his finger. And he said, this is my son who was lost and is found. And the son fell down and said, Father, I'm no longer worthy to be your son. Just make me a servant. Just make me a said nonsense. You're my son. You're my son. Kill the fatted calf. My son has returned. That's what the fear of the Lord teaches us. We bow before the Lord. We bow before the Lord begging, Lord, have mercy on me, the sinner. But all we hear in return is what sin? It's gone. It's finished. The sin's been put away. You're my son. Here's the ring. Here's the robe of righteousness purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. This is what the fear of the Lord teaches us. What greater crown upon our head than the ornament of grace, he says here. Hear the instruction of the Father and forsake not the law of thy mother, for they shall be an ornament of grace unto thy neck. What were an ornament of grace to thy head? What, what greater ornament of grace than the crown of righteousness purchased by the Lord Jesus Christ? What greater chain around our neck but the righteousness of God found in Jesus Christ. We hear his voice and we're kept by him. I love that he doesn't, he doesn't 
encourage us. He doesn't say, if you want to, hear the words of the Father. He says, my son, hear the words of the Father. It's not our faithfulness, it's him. He has crowned his people, he's robed them, put a ring on their finger. This is what the fear of the Lord has taught us, the Lord's people. He is God. Salvation's of the Lord and it is finished. Amen. Let's pray. Father, like the prodigal, we would find ourselves with the hogs if you leave us to ourself. Lord, this is the fear that you've taught us. We are afraid of being left to ourselves. But Lord, we hope in your promises that there is forgiveness with you, that you would never leave us or forsake us, and that all that the Father gave you will come to you. Calls us to come right now. Come to Christ. In his name we pray. Amen.